scripture. First one is out of Acts 26. And he says, I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus, the Nazarene. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem. Authorized by the leading priest, I caused many believers there to be sent to prison. I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times I had them punished in the synagogues to get them to curse Jesus. I was so violently opposed to them that I even chased them down in foreign cities. This is Paul. If you don't know who Paul is, if you're new to Christianity, he wrote about half of the New Testament. When we read from him, we're like, hey, this is Paul, the author. This is what he did. He used to go right after Christians. He was a church leader, a Jew, and he, he persecuted them trying to get them to curse Jesus. This was his life, obviously, pre-Christian. Here's another example of him talking in Galatians, a letter that he wrote to the church in Galatians. He said, you know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how violently I persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. So he said, not only did I persecute him, I was like the most passionate one. I was, I was the leader. I wasn't just behind the scenes. I was leading the charge. This is, this is who I am. This is who I was. You know this. Last one out of 1 Timothy chapter 1. He says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. In my insolence, I persecuted his people. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. Maybe for some of you, the verse you need to write down today is that, that verse out of 1 Timothy. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with faith and love that, that come from Christ Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. If anyone had room for regret, if anyone had room to not move on, it's this guy right here, and yet he's leading the charge. We're going to learn from Paul today. We're going to learn from others today. We're going to learn from Scripture today. Uh, before we have a seat, I want to kind of prompt you with this question have you ever had uh, a, a something happen in your life that you almost just immediately regretted the decision that you made, where you were just like, oh my gosh, immediately no? That's something that Rita and I say a lot. We say immediately no, and that's, that's like we just made a decision that we immediately regret. Maybe it's your in-law's uh, name pops up on, on, the, uh, on the phone screen, and you click the answer to say hello, and you're like, ah, I regret that, or it's the coworker that, that is at work, and you saw them and you ended up saying hello, but you know with that coworker, if you say hello, you're now tied up into a 30 to 45 minute conversation and you're like, ah, why did I do that? I don't know. What, what is a, an area or a situation where you're like, immediately no, I shouldn't have done that. I immediately uh, regret that decision. Go ahead and say hello to two or three or four people and let that, uh, you can kind of share your, your insights on immediately no. All right. So say hello to two or three people before you have a seat. All right, as you're, having a, as you're having a seat, 
Um, I don't, you know, I, I don't know if you have any immediately knows. Maybe it's borrowing a, a tool or having someone borrow a video game, and you're like, I should not have given that away. I'll never get it back. Uh, for me, I, I'm one of those. I immediately regret it's it's usually it's coming in food choices. My, my mind thinks I'm 16 or 17 or 18. I'm 42 years old, and so I, I, I can't eat like I think I can or, or should, or sometimes, I, this is probably too much for you to know, but I'll just tell you. Like, I, this Thanksgiving a few years ago, and I was so excited, I was gonna make my own homemade pecan pie from scratch, and I had it all planned out, and I went to make it, and it was so sugary and so delicious, and it's Thanksgiving meal. You've been thinking about Thanksgiving meal like you're starting now. You're like, it's August, even though it's not officially September, some of you guys are already like pumpkin spice lattes. Some, I went to Lowe's this week, and there was Halloween decor, and Lowe's, I'm like, stop it. But at the same time, it kind of gets me excited. Anyway, we get this meal. I load up the plate. Thanksgiving, you're sitting down. And I just, oh, just scarfed it all down until about, I don't know, four or five minutes in, I broke out into an immediate sweat. And I was like, this is really bad. And everyone's talking and doing their thing. And I just, I lost it all. And the rest of my day was, was gone. I'll spare you the details. But uh, I was like, that was, you got to slow down, Mike, on your eating. And uh, anyway, so I don't know what you regret. I have a little bit lighthearted fun with this because, listen, we got to go to a dark place today if we're going to get any hope in any life out of where we got to get to by the end of the day. How do I move on from deep regret? The, that thing, and this is, as I'm looking at this question, as I'm, as I'm trying to, to, to prep a message and, and give us some practical steps, I, I, the deep regret, those are the things not that haven't been done to us. I'm talking about the things that we have done. I said something, I did something, and it, it has led me to the close cousins of, uh, of regret are guilt and shame. So, Regret is something, I did something bad. I did something wrong. The close relative of shame is right there with it, and that is I am bad. I am wrong. And we take those on as identity. They go almost hand in hand. They're slightly different between the two. So I'll kind of interchange between those two as well. But I want to know, my question is, what is it that keeps you condemned? What is that deep place of regret for you? You know what it is. It's already popped into your mind. I don't need to know. But that, how do we move on from that? That thing. Some of us, that thing, we've, we've brought it into the light, and here we are dealing with it again because I just triggered it and brought it up. Some of you guys, you still never spoken it. It's never seen the light of day. I want to be able to help you no matter where you are in the process. How do I move on from this deep regret? It's not like we're in the Men in Black show where they, they say, hey, look at this light, you know, in the movie, stare at this, and then, whoop, wipes your memory and you're good to go, right? No, we have a memory. It is not wiped. It's still there. It can come up at any time. I don't know for you if it's your words or actions, something you said to someone, something you did. Maybe your deep regret comes in your parenting. I know a lot of times it can be like you're shouting at your kids, you regret it later. You're like, dang it, I'm just com contributing to more conversations to fut their, their future counselor, right, with how I'm parenting today. Is that deep regret a broken relationship, a divorce, 
I should have never got involved with that person. Maybe your deep regret involves a late night text or a late night phone call that you know you shouldn't have made that, but you did, and then you made some choices off of that. What's that deep place of regret that keeps you condemned? Missed opportunities, financial decisions, procrastination. There's something that haunts you and I, and we need to talk about it. I'm not going to have every, I, I, honestly, I don't care, but you need to know that that's what we're going after today. We got to go to a dark place so we can shine a light on that and get some hope and encouragement. Because quite honestly, some of, the, some of these things will keep us in prison. They, how do I move on? That move on is a key aspect that I've been hanging on to this week because some of us are stuck in our regret. We're stuck in settling when God has so much more for you. I remember a few years ago, I went to the, to the Los Alamos County Jail. I had a friend that was in jail and that was in prison in there. He had done some pretty messed up things, some pretty bad things. He was in a bad situation. He needed a Bible, so I was able to go and get him one. But I got to sit there and, and go and, and talk with him with the glass in between us. And he comes in, he's got the outfit on, and we're having the conversation. And I'm checking in on him how he's doing. I'm trying to give him some hope and some encouragement. But my friend, he looked at me and said, I have messed up so bad. And I don't think there's any way, any way, that God would, would, would be for me. What I have done, there's no way God would want to do anything with me or do anything good for me. And he had done some pretty bad things. See, my friend was in prison, literally, but he was also talking about, without knowing it, he was in prison in his mind and in his heart. I believe that God wants to set some people free today because you are living in a prison. Not in a jail cell physically, but in a jail cell in your mind, and you can't move on from the regret because of what you've done. And what you've been stuck. And so I, you've been on my heart all week long because there's so much hope and so much encouragement. But you live in the dark where the depression is right there, where there seems like there's no hope. People get stuck in the regret and they, you're contemplating suicide. You have contemplated taking your life because you are so stuck in the shame. People have taken their lives over not being able to deal with this. This is how serious this issue can lead if we do not handle it. And I'm going to tell you, there's so much hope. If you are in that space today, if you are hurting and in pain and you've you got shame and you don't feel like there's any hope, I get you, I understand that. But let me tell you, on the promises of God, there's a rainbow right there to say there is hope. God does know. God sees you. And he has not cast you out. You're here today hearing my voice. You're online here today joining on the live stream. There's hope and encouragement for you today. How do I move on? How do I move on from deep regret? One of the questions I want to ask you, we'll prep it, and I'm going to close with this question too. I'm not closing now, so hang with me. I've got five things I want to get through. But I'll prep it with this. Here's the question. What would you be willing to do if you absolutely knew God was with you? What would you be willing to do if you absolutely knew God was with you? Would you take that next step of faith? If you knew God was with you, would you take that invite card to that person and invite them? 
if you knew God was with you, would you ask for help? Because some of y'all, you're like, I, I need help from somebody, but I'm not sure if they would accept me. If you knew God was with you, would you confess that thing that you're hiding? If you knew God was with you, would you take that next step and get baptized? Uh, what's the next step of faith that God's been calling you to do? Because how do I move on? I got I to gotta move. I got to take a next step. I got to do something. I want to get us unstuck. So the first thing, if you're taking notes, the word is recognize. I think one of the first things that we need to do when we're dealing with regret, when we're dealing with shame, how did I get there? How did I wind up in the destination known as regret? It's a great question. Because if you cannot recognize how did I get there, then I really can't learn from my mistakes. I can't learn from my, from my past failures. And if I can't learn, then I can't grow, and I'm probably going to be bound to repeat the same thing. Wherever you go, there you are. You can move to a new job. You can move to a new city. But guess what? You're still there. And it may go good for a while, but eventually those same things start creeping up. we got to recognize, how did I get there? Nobody intended to end in that place called regret. I don't, you know, no, when I ask, if we were to go and ask the kids over in Freedom Kids, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, I want to I be an alcoholic. I want to be just strung out on drugs. I want to be addicted to por pornography. I, I want to, you know, I want to get married, get addicted to pornography, and just have it all crater, lose my family, lose my kids, and everything. Like, nobody wants to end in the place called regret. But you and I see this happening every day in the news, in our families, in our own lives. We got to learn. This past uh, year, we went to the ocean, our kids as a family. We're out there playing in the ocean, having a good time. The boys are, are 7 and 10, so they're a little bit older to where we can get out and ride bodyboards, right? We got the boogie boards, the bodyboards, so we're out there riding waves and just having the time of our lives uh, uh, riding the, the bodyboards. And any time you've gone to the ocean, some of you notice this, but this is new for us being the, the fact that our, we're, old, we're not just right, you know, right at the edge and you know, protecting little toddlers and babies. We actually go play in the ocean and in the waves. It didn't take long from where we started. And then all of a sudden, we are like four, five, six, seven condos down in our little... Uh, uh, chairs and our little umbrella are like, we got we to gotta get out. How did we get there? We were having so much fun. We didn't even realize how far we had drifted. Yet at the same time, that was weird. <laughs> uh, we, we drifted. You didn't even know it was happening at the time. But it slowly got us so far from our home destination. And for a lot of us, we don't recognize that we have, it has been a slow process. It's been a slow leak. The blowout happened, but it was probably more than likely a slow leak that led to it. It's a, it, it, was, it was a slow thing. Let me, let me read to you one scripture. This is David, King David, who wrote a lot of the Psalms. He says this, he says, In the spring of the year, 
When the kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab, the Israelite army, to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. If you haven't read the rest of that story, David then goes and says, get me that woman, to which he then has an affair with her, to which she then is pregnant. She comes back and says, I'm pregnant. So David tries to do the ultimate cover-up thing because he'd already screwed up. The husband is actually the one out at war. His name's Uriah. So David has Uriah come in off the battlefield, gets him drunk so he can go home and sleep with his, his wife, and then that way he can cover up the story, not my kid, whatever. He never goes home. He, he, he sleeps in the, at the king's palace. He doesn't go home. He doesn't sleep with his wife. So here's this woman that's pregnant with David's kid. So he takes it a step further. He says, you know what? Send Uriah back out to the battlefield. Put him on the front lines. And when the battle is at its worst, withdraw the troops except for Uriah. So he dies. And he does. He, gets, he dies on the battlefield. I mean, this is David. King David, the one after God's own heart. That is, that is now had an affair, basically rape, and now had a guy murdered on his watch because he called the shots. How did he get there? How did he get there? It says, in the spring of that year, when the kings normally go out to war, where should he have been? Not in the palace. He should have been gone. He made a choice to be out on the palace. So he's already... What seems like, hey, no big deal. He's at, he's at home. Instead of, you wouldn't think that that's a big deal. And then one evening, he goes and takes a stroll. Now, I, I, don't, I don't know this for sure, but it, it says he goes out on the rooftop and he notices someone bathing. I guess back in the day, that's how they did things. If you're going to take a bath, you're going to do it up in the, whatever. He knows what he's doing. He knows what time of day he's getting up and, oh, I'll just happen to go take a scroll. You know what you're doing when you're like, I'll just take a scroll through these websites. I'll just take a scroll through these TV channels. You know what you're doing and what he's going to see. And then he acted on it. It was, a, it was a drift that led to some horrific things. It didn't just happen in one decision. And I'm going to say there's other decisions that David made that we're not given privy to that led to all of those things happening. It was a slow drift and a slow process in that. For many of us, I don't know what, we talked about sin last week. What's your, pet, what's your sin? Well, how do I know what is and isn't sin? You might have a pet sin. You know, something that's almost, it's sinful, but it's kind of inconsequential. I mean, it's not really hurting anyone else. I'm not murdering anyone. There's not an affair or rape or anything. It's not, it's, you know, God's going to forgive me in the morning. It's just a little white lie and those types of things. I'm just, you know, and, and so we could play this game with God, which hopefully if you didn't listen to last week, don't play games with God. Because there was, there was a guy in uh, Florida that had a, uh, a doggy door. Now, I've used this illustration before, but it's so, it's so, so brilliant and so perfect. This, this is a true story. Had a, had a doggy door, and he had a little Pomeranian dog that went in and out, went in and out, went in and out. The guy left his house one day. He's in Florida. 
comes back into the house only to notice some, some, some blood stains, and this is what he sees in the house. He had an alligator come through the doggy door of his house, and he had an alligator chasing the little Pomeranian. You have your little pet sin that you just let in and out, in and out, in and out. It's in the consequential. I just, oh, come in and come out, whatever. What you don't know is that pet sin, Satan uses as bait for something bigger. You got to know, how did I get here? Because you just want to, oh, it's it's no big deal. But you don't get to choose what comes through the door next. Satan does not come at you with a red cape and a pitchfork saying, ha ha, what do you want to do now and make a bad decision? No, you would look at it and say, obviously I'm not going to do that. No, it looks good. It looks pleasing. I want a taste of that. It's not that bad. I mean, there's not any big consequences behind that thing. That's how Satan gets you. How did I get here is so important because Satan's not looking for you to be like, oh man, you just totally blew it, which some of us have. No, I just want, here's God. How do I know what is and isn't sin? I'm looking at that. I'm trusting his word, even though I don't like it or feel it. He just wants one degree of separation. Can I get you just off course one degree? Not that bad. You're just staying home for more. Not that bad. Not that big of a deal. I I want you to see how Satan works because here, right here, you don't notice this. You don't notice this slip. You don't notice this drift. You get a little bit of a twing from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, 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 but I can justify anything, you know. Over time, one degree, where does that get me? I made a bad choice right here. And it blew a lot of things, and there's a lot of more consequences. There may not be many consequences here. There may be no earthly consequences here. But how did I get here is so important if you're going to deal with how do I move on from regret. Some of you guys are on the verge right now. You're on this path. You're on the one degree off. And I don't want you to end in that destination called regret down the road. Get it under wraps. Second thing, actually before I get into that, time out because we're going to get ready to go into some things on how to actually deal with it. This doesn't actually deal with the regret. This is us to know how to get there so we can learn and grow. I got to ask this question. Do you even want to get better? I want to. Okay, let me rephrase it. Are you willing? So many, I want to do 40 push-ups or 10 pull-ups. Am I willing to do what it takes to get there? No. I want, are you willing? Because you're going to have to do some tough work here. I've already asked you to go to a dark spot. Not fun. We're going to have to work through some things in that dark area. Not easy. All right, so ask that because this may not be for you. So number two, confess and repent. Some of y'all, you haven't haven't moved on because you haven't confessed. Scripture says, when I refused... To confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. That's David. David said, when I refused to confess, because he didn't confess. God showed up to a prophet. That prophet was told by God, this is what David's trying to cover up, everything he did. And that prophet went to David and called him out and just blew him out of his mind. God sees. God knows. You can't hide from him. So, 
I don't confess because I, I fear consequences more than I do concealment. If I confess, that spells consequences. And I don't like consequences. That's, what, that's my boys. If I tell you, am I going to get in trouble? <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. But I'm telling you, you fear the consequences of concealment more than you do hiding that concealment. David said, when I, when I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groan all night. There's so much healing and freedom when it comes to confession. Scripture says this, James 5, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other, so that you may be, say this with me, so that you may be healed. How do I move on? You need healing. I can, I, I, this has been helpful to me, these three things. I confess to God for forgiveness, but I still may not be healed. I need healing. I'm still addicted. I still struggle. I haven't been healed. Because you haven't confessed to others. I'm not saying come and confess to everybody all your stuff. You have one or two, anybody that you can talk to. If you don't have a place that you can go to, Robert and Andy are right here. Hello, celebrate recovery. It's anonymous, and you can, you can talk and find a place for healing, a find a place for confession. It's a beautiful ministry. Thursday night, 7 o'clock, talk to Robert and Andy. I confess to God for forgiveness. I confess to others for healing. And then this may not always be possible, but you want to go one step further. I confess to the offended party for reconciliation. Because God's a God of reconciliation. And sometimes I need to move on because, one, I haven't confessed to God. Two, I haven't found healing, and here's a step to do it. Three, I, I still need to move on because I would like reconciliation. I know that's not always possible because reconciliation takes two. It takes two parties. That other person may not be in the mood for reconciliation right now, and we're still kind of stuck with that. We can't force reconciliation. Some of us want to reconcile somebody who's already passed away and they're dead, and we just can't. Okay, so I recognize that, but that's a path to healing right there. But that's not it. That's not all. Trust. Number three is trust. I got to stand on the promises. I got to trust that God's forgiveness for my sin is real. Some of you have not ex accepted this promise. Philippians, or no, uh, Psalm 32. This is David writing again. 32, 1 and 2. Oh, what joys for those whose disobedience has been forgiven. David who said, I concealed my sin, I didn't say it, who messed up in one of the worst possible ways that we can think of, says, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience has, is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those who record the Lord is, has cleared of guilt, whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are filled with complete honesty. Can I tell you something? When God looks at you, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter what you said, God enjoys you. He delights in you. He really enjoys you. No matter what they said or what you think about you. Like, as a parent, I have a bad day as a parent. And, and sometimes I love my kids, but at the same time, sometimes I'm like, I got to get away from these guys. They're driving me nuts. But then at night when you tuck them in, or maybe after you tuck them in, and they're sleeping, 
As a dad, as a parent, you parents, you know this. You go, it could be one of the worst days, and then you see them, and you're like, gosh, I love them. I, just, I love them so much. Why? Why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why did I, you know, be that way? Because that's the opposite of what, you know this, you know this. Seen a lot of nodding heads. God enjoys you. He loves you, which is why Romans 8.1, which is what I wrote earlier. So now there is, say this with me, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. You can put that in the chat. You just need to say that one out loud. When, when the shame train comes, just shout no. Some of y'all need to say hell no. All right, because that is from hell. That is not from God. The shame and the guilt and the condemnation. This is not how God sees me. And so I've got to work the promises of God and work them and work them and work them to see how does God see me. This is my anchor. That's why we did the exercise right here. I had you write it. I had you say it. I had you pray it. And when you're in the heat of moment of regret, that's one of the things you've got to come to. I've got to trust. I've got to trust that that forgiveness is real. I've got to trust that Romans 8.1 is real. The next one is i got to shift my focus. We talked about what led to it, what led to our regret, but I need to shift my focus to what redeemed it. Who redeemed it? Shift my focus to Jesus. Paul says it like this later on. Paul, the same guy who did all these things. I focus on this, say this with me, I focus on this one thing, one thing. Forget the past and look forward to what lies ahead. I focus on the, what's forward. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. I don't focus on my past. I know too many people who are throwing a pity party. Look what I did. I did this, and then I did that. And you know who's going to your pity party? Nobody. Nobody wants to be a part of that party. You ain't building no relationships throwing a pity party for yourself. It's you, yourself, and me, myself, and I. That's what I meant to say. And you know what me, myself, and I is? Pride. Some of y'all think pride is being arrogant and all these things, and it can be. But it can also be you living in shame. Look at me. Woe is me. I did this. I screwed up. God can never use me. And it's me, 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 me. The focus is me. Shift your focus to Jesus. I do one thing, and it's forget the past and focus on him. How do I move forward? You keep focusing on your past. Last thing, because I'm, I'm getting hot and this is what I want to get to and I'm running out of time. You got to take the next step. How do I move on? Take that next step. What would you do if you knew God was with you? I've been trying to tell you, God is with you. He is for you. He has great promises about you. He has great purpose for you. You got to take the next step. And some of you, you need to respect time. You are wasting time. 
You, you, you are, one of the things that leads to regret is not respecting time. You are not guaranteed tomorrow. One of the, there was an author, her name was Bonnie Ware, and she wrote um, a series of, I don't know if it's a book or articles or what, but she was working on hospice. And so she just started working with her patients. She would have these conversations, and she's just seeing themes come up. So she started to interview some of her patients over time. She collected them. And this is what she wrote. Two of the top most regrets, people who are, are, are the lives are coming to a close. And this is what they said. One of them was, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Men, women, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. This came from every male patient, she said in her book. It came from every male patient that I nursed. They missed their children's youth and their partner's companionship. All the men I nursed deeply regretted spending so much of their lives on the treadmill of a work existence. You're not respecting time. What else did they regret? I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself and not the life others expected of me. She wrote, when people realize that their life is almost over and they look back clearly on it, it is easy to see how many dreams have gone unfulfilled. Most people had not honored even half of their dreams and had to die knowing that due to the choices that they had made or not made, Health brings a freedom very few realize until they no longer have it. Take the next step. Some of you are not respecting time. How do I know if I'm respecting time? It's the voices that you're listening to, the crowd that you're hanging out with, how you're spending your money and your finances, the thing, the thing that is, you're worrying on and focusing on. You have today. I want to I I be kind of like Coach Mike today in the locker room and say, now's the time. What are you waiting on? If God has called you to take a next step, what, if, if tomorrow was it for you, what would you be saying? I, I'm, I, I'm regretting that I did not understand the urgency of my time right here and right now. I want to talk about that. Start the business. Write the book. Take that next step of faith. What are those things that God has been calling you to do and you're saying tomorrow, next time? Be present with your kids. Be present with your spouse. I know work is important, but guess what? In 200 years from now, nobody's going to know who you are or what you did. Respect time. Understand that God has something for you now. Some of you are afraid to take the next step. There was a quote that says, ships are safe in a harbor, but that is not what a ship is built for. I'm not ready to take the next step. Mike, I don't, you know, I don't know enough, and I'm not sure if I can. Let me just give you a little bit of a secret. You will never be ready. If you wait until you're ready to take the next step, if you wait until you're ready to go do that thing, you'll wait for the rest of your life. I'm not saying quit your job or leave the marriage or go do all these, like, talk with God, focus on Him, but if He's clearly calling you to do something, go do it. 
Now is the time. When you drop regret, you see that God has purpose for you in you and through you to make a difference in your home, in your community, in the world. I really do believe it. And you do, it seems so big. How can I make a difference in this world, Mike? How can I impact this world? One step at a time, one conversation at a time, one purpose, one person at a time. And that time is now. So let's stand. And let's pray. Let's submit whatever God is speaking to you. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster. As well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.